For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill Apter, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. And welcome to Wrestling with Paul. I'm your host, King David Lane. That's King David Lane on just about every social media platform. So give me a like, follow, friend request, and I will give you one in return. And I'm joined by my co host this week, The Brock. At Brock Bizza on Twitter. That's at D-R-O-C-K-B-Z-A on Twitter. Give him a follow as well. How's it going, Brian? It's going good, King. How's it going? VOC wrestling with Problem Nation. I think they'll all think that it's going well, but it'll be going even better if they go to ProWrestlingTees.com. That's ProWrestlingTees.com and get their Wrestling with Problem shirt. So just go to ProWrestlingTees.com backslash wrestling dash with dash problems dot html or just search for wrestling problem you'll get your shirt that way but anyway you got a wonderful shirt so check it out you see i'm wearing it right now so get yours you know you want to get it go ahead and get it and also please give us a uh five star rating as well as a review on your uh podcast preferred place for getting it and whatnot so you know it'll help us out a lot helps our exposure helps more people get exposed to the product we also want to send a shout out to you know, not only our American listeners in the United States of America, but Nigeria, India, China, a bunch of places all over the world where we're actually doing pretty good ratings. We're beating like some of the really, really big time famous uh, podcasters in the wrestling world. So really excited about that. So definitely shout out to America, but shout out to all our listeners all over the world helping us out. I think this is a big thing in the world of wrestling. Anyway, now that we're done, you know, uh, Yes. Patting ourselves on the back and doing that shameless self-promotion stuff. I'll do some more shameless self-promotion a little bit later in the show, but we're done with it for now. So let's go ahead and get into the wrestling talk. Uh, uh, man, we got yes, some crazy sir. stuff. Yeah, we got some crazy stuff going on in the world of wrestling. I was not even aware of this, but apparently the story broke last year, but it only, you know, it only got crazier and crazier. <laughs> apparently, WWE referee Drake Wirtz, uh, and Matt Morgan, the former wrestler who's also a mirror in Florida right now, ended up doing a uh, fundraiser for the charity Operation Underground Railroad. I know what you're thinking. Uh, too Many Black Guys is very popular on this show as, as a statement and it's a little segment we do on this show. Uh, this Operation Underground Railroad has nothing to do with any slavery. It has nothing to do with black people, apparently. The people in the QAnon crazy conspiracy believe there's like this huge network of child molesters and all kinds of stuff. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that there aren't, you know, networks of child molesters and perverts in the world. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that. 
I'm just saying the one, the specific one they're talking about does not exist in near crazy. They thought Wayfair was a child tracking hub as far as, you know, they are like, you know, you buy your furniture there and then next thing you know, you're not really getting furniture. You're getting child traffic there and all kinds of crazy stuff. They thought Donald Trump was the guy that's going to put an end to it. It's all kinds of, you know, sort of weird nonsense that goes along with this QAnon belief. We're not going to, we aren't primarily a political show, although we do some do political stuff here and there, usually towards the end. We're not, I'm not really here for that portion of it. I'm just here to discuss the wrestling connection. Uh, it's not a good look for one of your guys in a relatively powerful position as far as uh, referees, because referees don't just quote referee matches. And if you're watching live, you saw me do the air quotes. If you're not watching live, I did air quotes. Uh, referees have other positions in the company as well. They don't just rep their match and come out and they just do their thing for like 10, 15 minutes of show. They have other responsibilities. So uh, apparently he had some of those other responsibilities taken away from him for being so crazy. So uh, let me go ahead and uh, before I move on and discuss some of those things that were taken away from uh, Brian, what, what are your thoughts on this in general? I'm just going to say, wow. That's all I'm going to say. Wow. Okay. That's plenty. And I guess, I guess I'll leave, I'll leave it there with you. Uh, basically uh, the air sources for uh, we're using what we're discussing. We got vice, vice.com as well as uh, Russell zone, uh, on the uh, mandatory.com site. Uh, here's just the listing from the uh, uh, from Mandatory's WrestleZone uh, site. Uh, NXT referee Drake Wirtz has seen his duties reduced and he's also been suspended and barred from the WWE Performance Center, likely response to his conduct in recent months. On Wednesday, a video showing Wirtz at a Seminole County Board of Commissioners meeting was posted online showing him speeding emphatically speaking about a conspiracy theory involving child sex trafficking and COVID-19 mass mandate, which led to more details being revealed about his role in WWE. According to the report by Fightful Select, Wurtz was replaced as head referee NXT by Daryl Sharma, after he, and he was passed on for the role as much as a match timer in NXT in favor of Scott Armstrong. It was noted that Wurtz was initially considered for the timing job, but ultimately not offered the backup timing job either. According to the report, DA Brewer is now in a row, which leads to timing matches in live. That's not all of it, though, however. In addition to seeing his role reduced, Wirtz was also formally and formally suspended earlier this year and wasn't allowed in the Capitol Wrestling Center for a short period of time. It's noted that several people with notable positions in the company were horrified about what they read in an article posted last year by David Dixon-Ban about Wirtz. Things were made worse by the video that Thurman Williamson was explaining that many people next to that spoke with Pfeiffer expressed they were surprised he was still there, but thought his radical beliefs might actually be preventing him from getting fired. It was noted that we're told that once his suspension will be returned to the Capitol Wrestling Center. Wurtz appeared more restrained and didn't show some of that behavior that got him substantial heat with the people at the PC. So, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know what they mean by his uh, uh, his uh, radical release might actually be preventing him from getting fired. I'm not. I don't know if they're saying that there's somebody else in the company that shares those beliefs. Or, alternatively, the fact that he has these crazy beliefs makes uh, people within a company 
frightened to get rid of him. They don't know what he'll do, whether it be to other employees or what he'll do to himself if he loses this part of his life that's so important to him. Or if alternatively, they just mean they're, they're definitely concerned about his mental health and they don't want to, you know, quote, be, you know, so, so to be, feel like they're leaving him in his time of need when he needs to get stuff together, when he might need to help and support the other talent. So what, what are your thoughts on that? What do you think they mean they say, when they say his radical release might actually be preventing him from getting fired? That's that's kind of a tough one, King. Um, I, I usually have a, a bit more, but that's one of those things where you really don't know, and it's kind of hard to read, quote unquote, in between the lines. No, I mean it's it's like you can go either way with that, and either way wouldn't be wrong because to play to to know if you're right or wrong, you got to play out all scenarios and. You never know in cases like this. Yeah, um, if any part of QAnon turns out to be correct, I will be the first person to say, hey, they were right. <laughs> I don't, as a matter of fact, I will open the show with that one week if it turns out any significant part of that is right. I will open the show with it. I am that confident that all of this is BS. Again, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that child sex trafficking doesn't happen. I'm not saying it's not a major problem. It's a huge problem. I'm saying their specific version of what's happening is not true. Basically, Q, although he hasn't been officially formally named, is literally just a guy trolling people saying crazy stuff. <laughs> I don't believe that Q actually believes mm-hmm. any of this nonsense. I think he's just like a puppeteer pulling strings on people that he thinks are easily convinced and stuff. That's my official hot take on the entire thing. Anyway, we, we will move that. on. Yeah, yeah, we'll move on to some of the yes. other uh, wrestling. And this is a little bit happier story. Uh, Young Rock, the Rock's show about you know him growing up. The show takes place with versions of him in 1982, 1987, and 1990. The show has been renewed for a second season, so him along with Keenan, although Keenan's not wrestling related, but they're in the same you know programming block. Uh, I want to give credit to the Wrestling Observer Figure Four Online for reporting this. Uh, have you had a chance to check out the Rock's Young Rock show? Uh, about Young Rock, yes. Yeah. Uh, do you enjoy it so far? Yeah, actually, it's it's a it's a pretty good show. Actually, I um I um I remember when it first debuted, and uh, actually, I called the first six in the row. Then uh, I, I, I've been having to play a little catch up ever since. Okay. Well, I'm gonna check it out. Like I said, I meant to start it when because I was kind of excited for it, but I don't get to watch a lot of network television with watching so much rugby and wrestling. I don't really have a lot. And then, of course, with HBO Max and Disney Plus showing all these movies and stuff, I really have been <laughs> having a hard time squeezing in network television that's not related to those things because I feel like, okay, I'm paying for this streaming stuff. I should watch those movies. <laughs> and then, unfortunately, with HBO Max. You got to watch it within a month where, you know, you lose it, at least until it comes back eventually. But I just watched uh, Godzilla versus King Kong, which actually turned out to be a pretty decent movie. Uh, in addition to the uh, the Little Things, there was another HBO Max movie that was pretty good. Uh, I got to get around to Mortal Kombat because I've been hearing people slamming that movie about talking about, like, Shania Blades and Gary and their name in Imaginary Streets and Gary. So there is no 804 Washington Boulevard. 
Uh, I haven't checked. Yeah, I haven't checked that out yet. I haven't even watched. I haven't even finished Just League. I started Just League and haven't finished that. But uh, did, did you check out Mortal Kombat yet? Yes, I checked out. Um, um, I checked out Mortal Kombat Scorpion's Revenge and the um, the the actual um, movie Mortal Kombat that came out um, this um, past year. Well, this year actually. So yeah, is is it good? Yeah, I. Um, I now, will say this: Are the special effects good, or is it just a good movie? Because I've I've been hearing some complaints about the plot, but you know I don't want to I don't I don't need details. I just want to know: Do you think the plot yeah. was good, or do you think the plot needed the plot? Actually, actually the um, the plot was good. This is probably the best Mortal Kombat movie um, to come out. Um, that um, I say the animated movie is is uh, is better, but. It still is a good movie, and you can see um, what I mean once you see the move. Okay, duly noted. If, if I do watch it within a reasonable amount of time, I will. We, will, we probably will discuss a little bit more in detail on the show. Anyway, congratulations to The Rock. The Rock's making all the money everywhere. Like I said, I'm, I'm still excited to see what his XFL rebrand is going to end up doing next year. Although they kind of tabled it a little bit because. They were in some sort of talks to work with the CFL, so kind of curious to see what that's going to do. Uh, also, they did in the, in the meantime, the fan control football has started up, so that's a little bit of a different thing. That's more like almost like arena football. I'm actually an investor on the Beast team that owned by uh, it's actually owned by uh, Marshawn Lynch as well as uh, Miro, the former Rusev. So mm-hmm. I actually like that. So I did invest a small, small piece of that. I'm investing in in a lot of differently these little small things like startup things. Maybe I'll catch some lightning with some of it, but you know. Also invested in uh, movie company Legion M. Again, just another small percentage. But you never know. Like I said, I, I like investing in little small startups, uh, companies that are providing something a little bit different. And you know, obviously you can't you should you shouldn't risk your money in startups if that's all the money you get but it's okay to invest a little small piece to get like the money to do it and like i said maybe it turns into something maybe you lose all of it but i like providing alternatives to what our traditional products are so any alternative movie studio is interesting to me any alternative sporting product is interesting to me and like i said i was happy to you know provide a little bit of support to these new upstart companies anyway that's off the topic we'll move on and and discuss our next uh wrestling bit of wrestling news for the day uh andrade joins federation wrestling uh at least their pay-per-view uh federation wrestling federation wrestling is a messing and best startup it's gonna hold its first pay-per-view june 19th uh, and i want to thank essie scoops for the information regarding this they actually do uh have an interesting card listed i'll notice there's a lot of uh there's obviously there's a lot of luchador talent on it, but there's also some AEW talent on it as well. I saw Red Velvet's on it, so uh, I'm excited to. Anytime there's more wrestling companies and you know more options for wrestlers, I think it's always good, particularly when those companies are working together. Uh, just some of the talent in addition to Andrade listed as well as uh, uh, Red Velvet. You got uh, Roosh, uh, Bestia Del Ring, uh, Matt Taven, PJ Black, and some more. Uh, uh, Surprise partners will be listed, you know, for, for that match. Uh, Penta L0M and Ray Phoenix against Bandito and Dragon Lee is a match book for the show. Uh, Real Vivid and Tay Conte will, uh, will be in a six-woman trios match as well. So 
a lot of interesting talent. Like I said, I, I want to hear a little bit more about what's going on. Although Andrade has also been booked for a match against Alberto Del Rio, the former Alberto Del Rio. Obviously, you can't use that name anymore. Uh, I can't remember what name he's going by right now off the top of my head, but that's uh, that's a little different card on the road. I'm going to be honest. If, I, if I'm at my first match back, I don't want it to get be against Alberto Del Rio. I don't want any of my matches against Alberto Del Rio. That man is a terrible dude. And like um, I said, I, I, while I liked him when he was a wrestler when he first started, he's yeah. been involved in enough fuckery lately that, uh, <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, domestic violence claims, sexual abuse claims, all kinds of stuff. So, no. And, and I'm not, again, like we always say on this show, when you're accused of something, that doesn't mean you're convicted. It's not the same thing. But I also say, well, there's enough smoke, there's fire. When you get involved in enough stuff, I'm still going to add that allegedly if you haven't been convicted. But he seems to be a scumbag, allegedly. <laughs> like I said, everybody, anybody can have, you know, a false accusation here, a false accusation there. I'm not saying, you know, when, when we say believe women, we don't mean you literally have to say that because a woman says something, the man's guilty. That's not what we're saying. We're saying don't immediately discount a woman's claims because you think she, you don't like the way she was dressed. Or you think she's in it for money, or blah blah blah. There's a bunch of stuff that that ideas you know, people want to throw out to dismiss women's claims about stuff. I'm saying, okay, I'm t- anytime I hear accusation, okay, I'm, I'm taking it seriously. I'm not saying I automatically I'm ready to convict somebody and throw them in jail for it, but I'm saying we should at least respectfully listen to the claim and investigate it properly, right? I I, I have, I've seen I have a, no problem. I have no problem with investigation. Yeah, and I've I've seen enough. I've seen enough stuff investigated around him to say, fuck that guy. <laughs> well, anyway, um, we can move on past that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the show, once again, start Andrade Federation, Federation Wrestling, pay-per-views June 19th. Now, we'll actually get into something we actually brought up last week's show. This is actually be our main topic for this week, and we're actually going to close up the show with it uh, this week. Uh, you brought up a topic last week about different stables and people who ruined the stable or people who didn't belong to the stable. So we're going to uh, discuss that in more detail. Last week, we discussed nation domination. Uh, we both had our uh, picks about who we thought didn't belong. Uh, I thought, uh, while I did enjoy Owen Hart, he actually did a good job in the stable. I still felt like he didn't really uh, fit in the stable. It didn't make a lot of sense. When the stage, when the when the stable really originally happened, it was like you know, it was a little bit more of a diverse stable. Although you know, like for instance, you had like PG thirteen in it, but they were you know white guys, but they were sort of doing a little bit of a you know sort of more urban black gimmick. So at least with that, it kind of made sense that okay, if you're gonna put people in that don't conventionally belong to the group, that made a little bit more sense as far as how they handled. That was more towards the early USWA uh, version of the group. They, although they did come out and sort of do a little rap at the beginning of the theme when uh, the Nation Domination first started. Uh, then later on, it sort of evolved. I forgot that uh, the whole you know Savio Vegas membership and group. <laughs> I kind of forgot about that. That was before, and they had Crush in it, and that's what led to the gang warfare that became sort of a racial gang warfare that. Probably wasn't in anybody's best interest to do after a while, or even at the beginning. You really don't. If you if if you have a black gang, 
or when I say a black stable, a Latin stable, and a white stable, probably not the best thing to have them all feuding against each other. Although I do think eventually that's part of the reason they did end up bringing Owen Hart into the group. That and also they didn't want too many angry black guys on TV all at once. I'm like, okay, well, if we put Owen Hart in it, that has a little bit of a comedic, that'll take the edge off of it just a little bit. Uh, so, but still, I, I, I felt like even though he was a talented worker and, you know, he helped add something to the match, I still felt like he wasn't quite the guy that belonged. Uh, you felt like the guy that didn't belong was Ahmed Johnson, and uh, I'll let you go ahead and restate your reasons for why you said Ahmed Johnson didn't quite fit, although I do agree with you. He wasn't my first choice, but what were your reasons for Ahmed Johnson not really truly fitting in with the group? Ahmed Johnson did not fit because, okay, they was feuding with this man for um, weeks, maybe a couple months. Then all of a sudden, he is part of the nation. It's like, oh, God. First of all, he works stiff. The only person who probably works stiffer than him around that 10-15 year time period was probably Hogan and um, the Ultimate War. So now you're going to put one of the stiffest guys, um, limited mic skills, and in and, and this storyline, fine. Um, oh, okay, th this storyline, and then you're going to all of a sudden flip it to he's part of it? No. You already had Mark Henry as the muscle. You um you usually have um um okay a comedian um in, in um in the group um okay and you had the mouthpiece which was the rock. So why did you need Ahmed Johnson? You had um the leader Farouk who was pretty good um as a as a wrestler. Not bad with the my skills, but he had his character good. And then you had um, Kama Mustafa. So it's like, how many do you need? Sometimes you do too much by adding more and more and more and more. Um, I think usually the rules for stables, max is five. But usually they go between three and four. And if you go throughout um, most wrestling successful stables, you don't see no five and you don't see six, seven, eight in a stable. And it's usually successful. Last time you seen something even close to that was the Heenan family. And a lot of times what Heenan did, he, um, he, okay, he pretty much rotated people in and out over the years. Yeah, and even though I like the Heenan family, I don't really, I never really looked at them as quote a stable. Bobby Heenan was a guy that managed a bunch of people, and usually you might have two or three of those guys working together at a time. But it's not like the whole group worked as a group. It's not like the Four Horsemen. It's not like the NWO. All the people that worked with Bobby Heenan or were managed by Bobby Heenan, they sort of all had their own deals. Now sometimes those deals kind of work together as a two two group or a three group. But even though he might be managing, you know, four or five people, it's not like you see all four or five come down and do a beatdown on one guy. So they had a certain measure of independence that actually, you know, worked for it. So you got to see Bobby Heenan a lot, but it's not like you felt like you were seeing the same thing over and over. So, yeah, you, you, you definitely raise a good point as far as that goes. 
let's move on to another stable. And actually, you brought this stable to my attention. I didn't think about it at first off the top of my head, but there's several candidates for this. But uh, I think the most obvious answer is pretty easy for this. But I'm, I'm going to go ahead and let you say, do you know of anybody that was in the Four Horsemen that truly just didn't belong at all? And if so, who? <sighs> Okay, I'm gonna name I'm gonna name four of them actually. Um, but like I said, okay, okay, if you're gonna name if you're gonna name four, let let me pick mine first, and then I'll let you get to the ones that. No, I'm um, at um, I'm at because I only get I only get I only had one that came to mind immediately, so mm -hmm. you know I don't want you to take one. Although oh, now sec secondarily, I thought of another one, but if if, if I, I'll I'll save my second one for after you name all four of yours. I'm just gonna name my my original thought. My original thought was Paul Romer. Okay. That dude, he was like one of those dudes where in WWE they was like, hey, this is a this is a young future guy talent, but then he never really did anything. So then he went to WCW, and then never really did anything other than be a horse he was a horseman he was part of the team i guess what was the power and glory in, in wwf but that team never really ran anywhere <laughs> yeah uh at first he was at first he was just sort of one of those young guys that was he was a jobber or a jobber to the stars but you kind of saw a future in him he was part of the young stallion stables with jim powers from like 87 and 89 that's when you first thought okay he's jobbing now but you thought okay Maybe in the future he'll be something. That was and that was even before I knew what quote jobbers were, but I kind of had the idea. Okay, he's not doing anything yet, but I think eventually he'll he'll get to it. But then the young stallions eventually never really went anywhere. So later on, he, he you know uh, he went solo for a while. Then he ended up doing a thing with Power and Glory for a couple years. That never really went anywhere of consequence. He then he went to WCW and then they made him a horseman. <laughs> and well, I, I, I'll let you finish that up. But, yeah, my, my final thought is uh, no. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I guess I'm the it, it, it wouldn't have necessarily been a bad idea if they had sort of, you know, built him up properly. Like what they could have did with him is instead of just letting him join the horseman, if they could have, like, you know, Saw him, you know, in a match, but then you have him lose the match. But then, you know, maybe Arn comes out and says, I see potential in you, kid. So then Arn helps him win some matches and stuff like that happens. And then, you know, they build him up and then they say, You're the future, kid. Here's a spot. That's not what they did. They pretty much just, you know, put him in. Now, him and him and uh, Arn Anderson did win the tag team championship, but. He didn't feel like he felt he, he fit in. It felt like they just like, okay, we signed this guy. He's, he's you know, he's a young, maybe, maybe the ladies are like him and that sort of guy. Let's put him in, even though he didn't really done nothing to earn a spot and he hasn't really shown his potential yet, but we'll throw him in. Anyway, uh, you had something to say about it. So I'll go ahead and let you add in what you want to say. Okay. Well, about Paul Roma. The only thing outside of that that he did of any real significance was he tagged with um, Paul Orndahl in the tag team known as Pretty Wonderful. Actually, the team was 
mildly successful. It um, actually outside of tagging with um, Arn Anderson, he actually did pretty good with Paul Orndorff. But as you said, it was poor booking, and that's why I would uh, um, I would um, give you your argument on why Paul Roma was um, okay. wasn't a good fit. Now for myself. Uh, I get I, I can name I can name um I can name a few of them okay but for different reasons okay number one Sting Sting had no business feuding being with the horseman after feuding with the horseman how does that work Yeah and like I said Sting, that that was the one that I that I thought about after the fact I was like because visually I thought of Paul Roma but I thought about as I looked at the list of people who had been in the thing. Sting did not make sense at all because Sting was forever getting fooled by Ric Flair. He he was getting attacked by Ric Flair, then he got fooled by Ric Flair multiple times. Right. <laughs> it's so like, to it, me, it, it was just like it was just like Sting to Ric Flair was like Charlie Brown to Lucy with the football. <laughs> you can't keep falling for this stuff over and over again. And but that's that's what happened to him in the in the early nineties and you know in that period over and over so the early night the early nineties and late eighties that time anyway uh who, yeah. who else you got who else you got that, that didn't belong okay um who else did not make sense um okay well let let's go with Sid Vicious he made no freaking sense well that I'll disagree uh, with he would uh, I wouldn't call him a natural fit because he wasn't a quote great wrestler. And the four horsemen traditionally were great wrestlers. But if you can just why. like add, if you can just add somebody who's muscle and vicious and strong and and brings that to your group, it would make it would you. There's this expression, particularly like in politics, I'd rather him inside the tent, be inside the tent pissing out than be outside the tent pissing in. Would you rather have Sid this like like? We're, we're pretending wrestling's real. Would you rather have Sid Vicious on your side or Sid Vicious as your enemy? I would rather have him as my ally than my enemy. So that's all the reason I need to put him in the yeah. horseman if I'm Ric Flair. So for for that purpose, and it's not like as far as I'm aware of, I, I, like I said, it's been it's been thirty years now. So I I might not have all the details to remember, but I don't remember Sid Vicious feuding with the horseman back in the day. So unless he feuded with them. It makes purposes that they would want to include. Again, it's uh, been thirty years. So, thirty years right. ago, something happened in my childhood. I might not remember, and I'm not going to go through the trouble of trying to Google it right now while we're trying to broadcast and talk about it. Too. But I don't remember him feuding with him at the time. So I'm okay with that. One. Anyway, uh, if you, do you have more of an argument against it, Vicious, or did you want to move on to the next? One? Uh, we can move on. Okay, who, who's the next? Okay, my okay, my next one. Okay, um, would be Mongo McMichael. Now, see this it's, it's like okay, huh? Um, no, okay, okay. Um, no, go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Make 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 your, then, make your make. okay. Now for me and everything, I actually like Mongo McMichael. He didn't do he he didn't do um. A, a whole lot. He okay. He was what he was. He um, okay. He, he was um, but 
um, I, I would consider that when you know, makeshift wrestler, when the football players who, who um, transitioned into wrestling. Yeah, see, and look, look, he I'm, was. I'm, I'm um, gonna be. I'm gonna be completely honest here. Steve McMichael was a terrible wrestler. <laughs> All those football players that WCW tried to bring in in the mid '90s to wrestle, Steve McMichael was terrible. Did not work. Kevin Green was worse. Somehow, Kevin Green literally the only thing he would do is get the three point stance to do a forearm. He was terrible. <laughs> but that's what happens when you try to bring in celebrities that don't truly put the work in. But at least Steve Michael did it. He did eventually become a full-time wrestler, even though I never thought he was a good one. Kevin Kevin Green couldn't even do basic stuff other than the forearm. Steve Michael was a bad wrestler. Calling Kevin Green a wrestler would be an insult to wrestlers. Uh, but I I, I completely see why you say he didn't belong. I understand sort of why they tried to shoehorn him in because he was a main a little bit more of a mainstream celebrity, having been part of the '85 Bears. He was still eighty-five bears. You know, still to this day, are still kind of hot as far as you know being a big deal. Although they they probably more Chicago big deal now than they are a national big deal. But still, when they when they name the greatest quote greatest football teams of all time, eighty-five bears still come up as the number one team name for that. He did not. He he truly did not fit in as far as this group. But I understand from a market perspective why they thought this would be a good idea. He was a big, strong guy. He had, he did have natural charisma, although it did. I don't know if it necessarily always translated to a wrestling character the way it did when he did his like a uh, slot on. I think it was NBC Five Sports uh, things on Sundays he used to do. It didn't yeah. translate. I don't yeah. think the same way that it did in, in wrestling. I mean, in wrestling, it was much worse. I don't think he truly got the most out of his character as a wrestler. That he did when he was like, you know, just doing other stuff or just being himself other places. Uh, but since we are talking about Stephen Michael, uh, like I said, I don't want to, you know, bury him too much right now because he is going through some rough issues right now. Unfortunately, we did get the news in our area not too long ago that he's uh, been diagnosed with ALS, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, he is often confined to a wheelchair at the moment. He he can walk a little bit, but he's deteriorated so fast lately that. They don't think it'll be much longer that he'll be able to walk at all soon. He can barely lift anything. His, his uh, wife has pretty much has to do almost everything for him. So I don't want to spend too much time, you know, burying him like that, especially this is real time of need. There are fundraisers out there, but you do want to raise some money for him because he has a lot of expensive bills. Even though the NFL and the uh, Bears are doing things to help him out, it's still you know, a lot that's going on. So if you if you do have some money and you do want to help out, uh, I don't have that information off the top of my head, but there are fundraisers for him. So, uh, like I said, I, I I did want to you know make people aware that I'm not trying to you know go after him in his time of need, but at the same time we do have to have some journalistic integrity as far as our feelings about you know when we talk about wrestling. The wrestler Steve Michael, I did not care for at all. The the character Steve Michael, the football player, love. Character love wrestler not so much and and again as a person I do care about him and I do want to see good things although he's going through a rough time I honestly like I said from the way he's deteriorated it does not seem like he's going to have much more time with us here on Earth in fact he can barely talk anymore and he's pretty much said I'm not doing any more more uh, public appearance so if you have if you can help please do help 
and like I said, we, we do care about him as a person. And my feelings about him as a wrestler completely separate about my feelings as him as a person and as a football player. And I just wanted to make that abundantly clear for anybody listening. Anyway, uh, did you have any more thoughts about Stephen Michael, either the football player or the wrestler? Or did you want to? Uh, no, I think you pretty much um, wrapped it up on that. Okay. Uh, uh, I think you had one, you had I think you named three right so I think you have one more left as far as people who didn't belong with the horsemen so who was your last one? Uh, my um actually my last one um it um okay it was it was kind of a tough one but I would um actually okay I would actually have to say who I had no idea why this guy was even there. I had no idea why um, they actually had Jeff Jarrett in there. Technically, he was never, I don't think he was ever officially a member. It kind of, like I said, if they had, if they had included Jeff Jarrett uh, in the stable, I could kind of see why they would do it, particularly if you sort of had him as a sort of the, the next flair. Obviously, Jeff Jarrett is not the next Ric Flair, but if you were like looking at that timeline and thinking somebody that could sort of fill the role mm-hmm. that would sort of make sense in the role of the next player, he would have been a perfect guy to sort of do it. Uh, he has had a great career, although he never quite made it to that Ric Flair level. But I, I would disagree with if they had put him in the Horseman about him, you know, not fitting in. I think he actually did fit in because he was he was actually you know a good wrestler. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't Dean Malenko, but he was a good wrestler. He had a long-term, you know, sort of understanding of the rest of the business. He's been in the business literally his whole life. It's pretty much, as far as I know, pretty much the only place he's ever made a check. His family has been making money off wrestling for generations. So out of the guys that I would say didn't belong, he's the one that I say that I would truly say, I can't make an argument against him being included if they would have included him. You got a you, nah. you got a specific uh, reason why you think okay. Now let me give or... you my kind of argument. Okay, go right. Yeah, ahead. yeah. Okay, my counter to that is this: Okay, usually you will put a guy in who a needs to get over um in, um in, in a on the cusp of um of making that next step and everything. Okay, Jeff Jarrett had all the tools anyway. He was already good anyway. That's just like um, Kirk Henning. Kirk Henning didn't need to be um, part part of that. You know what I mean? It, it's like okay, he okay, he's good by himself. He's okay. Um, that that's just like um, Diamond Dallas Page. Okay, he he was good already. He had the charisma. He had the fans. He knew how to work the crowd and everything. Okay, if you're doing that by yourself, you don't necessarily need a group to do that with you. Thing, thing is, though, okay. When I was going to say, here's okay. the thing. With, let, let's look at, when we, we talk about these stables, let's look at what the stables were formed to do initially. The Horsemen started out as the first elite stable where everybody was title contenders. Pretty much everybody was a Horseman. Yeah. You know they were going to get gold or they already had gold. Jeff Dirt is a dude that qualifies. At any given moment, he was, he, in WCW, he should have been a contender for U.S. title, TV title, tag title, bare minimum. 
the you can have one member of a stable that's sort of okay, he's not quite there yet, but you think he's gonna be there next. Like I think it was uh when they had the uh main event mafia. I think was it Matt Morgan, I think was the guy, the only guy who wasn't the world champion that they eventually put in. Yeah, yeah. So when you do that sort of quote elite stable, which the horsemen were, Jeff Jarrett was a guy that fit in naturally. I think he had already been intercontinental champion at that point when he was in WWF at the time. So he made he made sense as far as being a horseman. Even though he was over already, you don't put anybody in a horseman because they need to get over. I don't think that's what the horsemen are for. There's other stables you might do that with. Now you can put somebody that you think is a future huge star. And I think that's what they did with Paul Roma. But you see how that turned out. I think exactly. if you put someone, I think you I, I think I think if you put somebody in a horseman, they should either already be a main eventer or they should be a huge star in the making. I think Jeff Jarrett, while he never quite took the legendary step, he was definitely always a title contender pretty much no matter where he went. So it's not like it's a slight that he was put in and you look at the the stable if he had been in it as a full-fledged member i don't i don't feel the same slight that you're i feel like he he would fit in perfect anyway we'll, we'll have to agree to disagree on that uh since since we are naming uh people who weren't uh officially members and were considered associates we also had war machine back in back in the late 80s also Ray Trailer. I don't even remember that. I don't remember him being associated with the horseman. But again, it's been 35 years almost, so kind of makes sense I might not remember. Hiro Matsuda, uh, Kendall Windham, Butch Reed, Michael Hayes, and David Blair. <laughs> actually, I actually would have liked to have saw Butch Reed actually be a full-fledged member of the horseman. We never did get a black horseman that I'm aware of. So I think he would have been a perfect member as far as somebody in he and like I said, since uh the horseman didn't traditionally always have the quote muscle guy, but he could have filled the role as the muscle guy, but he also, you know, talent Anyway, that concludes our discussion of the horseman. We already discussed the nation of domination. Uh let's get into this next one, the NWO. <laughs> <laughs> This stable, we Go literally, ahead. we we literally could name twenty people from this stable probably that didn't belong in the stable because after you got past what the first six or seven, most of them didn't make a hell of a lot of sense. But I'm gonna let you go ahead and go first and pick your guy out of this stable or your woman out of this stable who did not belong in. And I think, matter of uh, fact, I think if we if we both were allowed just to pick one person, I think we both would come up with the same one. But I'm going to go ahead and let you pick yours first. If you pick the one that's the obvious choice, I'll pick somebody else. But go right ahead. Obvious. Okay. For me, the obvious choice who, who um, I had no idea why his ass was in there was probably Boris Holt. I know exactly why Horace Hogan's in there because he was Hulk Hogan's nephew. Right, right, right. right. That's literally nah, the only reason. That's only literally reason, the only right. reason he it, was it's, in. It's like, um, oh, okay. It's like you you picking members, but I'm 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 going on I'm going on the thing like okay, like you said. Now, if you if you can go down the line and pick uh, a member that shouldn't have been in there, 
okay, you okay, you could um okay, you could argue that Big Papa Pump should have been in there. You uh, okay, you go with Buff Bag. Well, you could even go with freaking Conan. Okay, fine. You know what I mean? Conan was never gonna be that main event star. Neither was Buff Bagwell. But we could all agree that they had charisma. Well, I think Buff Bagwell could have been a main event star if he would have pulled his head out of his ass. Right. He could have been, been. He just one of those guys that just couldn't get his life together. And as we've seen, even over the last, I haven't seen much of him in the last couple years. But as of even a decade ago, he was he couldn't stop messing up. Well, but yeah. that, that, but yeah, Horace okay, Hogan is definitely somebody who didn't belong. <laughs> okay, um, Stevie Ray. Didn't make a lot of sense in there either. Again, and then, when they overexpanded, eventually at some point, it, it felt like they had more than, it felt like they had more than half the roster in the group at some point. There's, yeah. And like I said, there were so many members of NWO. There were people that I don't even remember being part of the stable. <laughs> okay. And I, of course, okay. And then on, and on top of it, not only did they have people who were members, they had a bunch of associates that didn't make sense either. <laughs> I don't remember Tylene Buck. That name sounds vaguely familiar. April Hunter, I don't remember at all. Pamela Pawshock, I don't remember at all. Those were like quote, associate members who weren't, I guess, full members. That literally makes no sense to me. But at some point, Dusty Rhodes was in it. I don't remember Dusty Rhodes being in NWO. Uh, NWO Sting didn't make a lot of sense. I mean, NWO Sting made sense as far as mocking Sting, I guess. Plus, he was really a little bit more famous as far as NWO Japan. That's really where he really made his money at. But the most obvious choice to me Clearly, it was Vincent. What's who? Vincent. Okay. Lou was literally, he had his own, I think his only victory in WWF was, I, I think, did he beat Ted DiBiase like once, I think? I think yeah. that's what happened. When, when, when their feud broke up, I think he beat him once. Other than that, did he win any matches anywhere? <laughs> he, uh, literally, he literally is a punchline to a joke. His name is a rib of Vince McMahon. <laughs> the reason he's called Vincent because they were making fun of Vince McMahon. The reason he was called Virgil in WWF was to make fun of Dusty Rhodes because that was Dusty Rhodes' real name. Rhodes' real name, right. So literally, his whole existence largely is, is, is a punchline. <laughs> the weird thing was when he showed up at AEW, when he called him Soul Trade Jones, people were like, man, that's racist as hell. Like, no, that was actually name he did use before he went to WWE. <laughs> so, I mean, it wasn't the most, quote, sens- racially sensitive thing in the world, but he, since obviously he's not in WWF, he can't use that name. He's not in WCW, you can't use that name. So it makes complete sense that he could use the name, the other name that he had used. <laughs> All things considered, I guess that name makes a little bit more sense. At least that's something yeah. he can sort of take with him anyway. So. But literally, he had no standing to be in a stable that was supposed to be, quote, an elite stable. If I was starting anything that I was going to be, quote, an elite stable, Vincent slash Virgil slash Soul Train Jones is literally the last dude I'm putting in. <laughs> Matter of fact, no, I take that back. He's on my short list of guys that I would put in it 
last. If I was creating a quote, Lisa, he's not the last guy because there are there, there's always James Ellsworth, I guess. So I stand corrected. He's on my short list of people that I would put in. Matter of fact, if you were putting together a stable and your stable was supposed to be elite, who would you who would you put on your short list in addition to Vincent and James Ellsworth is one of the last people you want in it if it was supposed to be an elite stable? Damn. Ah, boy. I, oh, Jesus. You, you're making this kind of hard. You're making this kind of hard. But I was, obviously, I'll throw in Horace Horkins since we already we well, just get you know, this in the anyway. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. I yeah, said it would be the guy formerly known as Vincent. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, uh, long list of people with uh, with with NWO that didn't belong. Uh, I look at the list. I guess, like I said, although theoretically Nick Patrick wouldn't belong, but for the angles they ran, it kind of made sense. Um, it made sense. Michael Wall Street made no sense in the group. He's one of those guys. They just like like there were a couple of people once they left WWF and went to WCW for that big check. They couldn't figure out anything to do, so they just re- recycled gimmicks over and over again. Uh, Michael Wall Street was one of those guys. He went from Michael Wall Street to VK Wall Street because that was another rib of Vince McMahon. Because uh, VK was Vincent Kennedy McMahon, VK Wall Street. Uh, Bubba Rogers, he first he came back as the boss, and it's like, no, nah, that's too close to Big Boss, man. So then he came back as Guardian Angel. That was a terrible gimmick. But eventually he went back to Big Bubba Rogers. He was in the stable. That's a no. Uh, let's see who else I got off, off that short list. I think that obviously David Flair. No, <laughs> matter of fact, since we were naming people, if we were putting together at least stable people, we wouldn't want a stable. David Flair is right there on that list. He had none of his dad's charisma, none of his dad's athletic ability. <laughs> he literally, when we're when we're, when we're naming flares, he comes in dead last out of all the flares. Obviously, Rick comes first. Charlotte comes second. Uh, Reed comes third. Although with Reed, we never know what he could have been. Unfortunately, may he rest in peace. He had his demons, and we never really got to saw the full potential of him. But if we're just ranking off what they did within the wrestling world, uh, he clearly comes third. Not as a disrespect or slight to him as a person, but we're talking about purely wrestling stuff. Well, he his messed up part. David Flair actually was better in a non-wrestling role. Uh, his crazy gimmick when he was with Crowbar kind of worked. But even then, he still was only the third best person part of that group because Crowbar was better than him and obviously Daphne was the best part of that group. I wish I, I, I really wish she wouldn't have had so many injuries and so many issues because, like I said, I, she was somebody I really thought was going to go to the top of the women's side. And also, of course, she did have the unfortunate part of being sort of in women's wrestling when it wasn't for a boom time for it. That also kind of worked against her. I would I would love to seen like Daphne from back in the day be like in WWE right now. You know you know what would be a great feud that I love to see right now if it could happen. Alexa Ooh. Bliss versus Daphne 
doing it with the whole Bray Wyatt thing, doing that sort of dark, that would be like some fun stuff to see right now. I give you that. Now let's move on I, to I, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, nah, I was gonna say Alexa is good. So let's move on to DX. Look at the DX. There was people that I didn't even remember being part of DX. So I got a couple of choices here, but do you have anybody off the top of your head without looking it up who you didn't think belonged in DX? Uh, let me think for a second. Uh, for me, uh, let me think, 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 think. Uh, for, okay, Ozzy, I would say Hornswoggle. I didn't even realize he was in DX. Only reason I know that is because I happened to look it up today just so I could, you know, do a quick look and see, okay, who didn't belong in the stable. That's obvious he does not belong. But he's actually he's actually only my number, I'd say number three choice of people who didn't belong. Actually, Hornswoggle, it, like, since Hornswoggle was a sort of a scampish character, so I could almost see him fitting in. Like if they would have gave him a shot earlier, it would have made more sense. Since they were just you know clowning around doing crazy stuff, and he sort of was a guy running around doing crazy stuff. I could see how like Triple H and Shawn Michaels would sort of you know like him and have him around, just a little bit of naughty comic relief. So in that sense, it makes. He, he was not a natural fit as a wrestler for it, but it's just somebody doing some crazy stuff. I kind of see it a little bit. That's why he's not number one on my list. That's why he's only number three. Apparently, Tori was in DX at some point. I don't remember that at all. She does not fit in by any measure because either you think with DX, either you'd be like, you know, a crazy sort of fat boy thing, which is a little bit what Cornsmuggle did. Uh, he would have been like a cool, quote, mascot for like a frat boy. Obviously, like Shawn Michaels, you know, X Pac, Road Dog, Billy Gunn, they all kind of felt like frat boys doing the sort of main run of DX. So they fit in. China was the sort of muscle, but in a different way. They had never really had the quote female that was the muscular group before, but she made complete sense in the group. But Tori doesn't make sense at all. She's an attractive woman, she wasn't necessarily funny. I liked her as a I liked her as a wrestler. I liked her athleticism, even though she was like she, she never quote became a great wrestler, but she was the athletic wrestler at least. That was back in the time when WWE women wrestlers were just more models than they were true wrestlers. But from an athletic perspective, she at least did fit in as far as that goes. So it's not like she was just like a complete mom like a lot of those models were. But she never was a quote full form wrestler to me in the way that women of today are. But she, she, her personality does not fit in with what you think of being with DX any sense. But even worse than her, though, the one that truly didn't make any sense to me at all, and I under, don't even understand why they did it, because she was married to one of the members, but Stephanie McMahon. They've never presented her character as somebody that would like, you know, tomfoolery and joke shenanigans. Her character's always been sort of bitchy, mean, even if she did something funny, it was mean-spirited, you know, funny, not, you know, ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha, funny. So her character within the world of DX doesn't make any sense at all. 
I don't even remember her being in DX, but it made no sense for her character to be in that. So your thoughts, Brian, on that? I um, I give you that. Okay, move on then. Last but not least, before we get out of here, we got the Bullet Club. Bullet Club has had a lot of different members over the years. They've sort of, you know, moved them in, moved them around. That's kind of what has kept the stable fresh, I think. While there have been, you know, members that have been there for the long term, and it's, it's, it's hard to believe, but uh, Bullet Club has been around for like eight years now. Matter of fact, I believe today is the, if you're listening, you know, uh, close to the, to the time we recorded, because we're recording on a Monday, recording on Monday, May 3rd, I believe it's formed May 3rd, 2013. So I actually did not realize this is anniversary, but it actually works out pretty, pretty well. Uh, the original members that are current are Bad Luck Fale. You also get Tamatoga as the original, you know, quote, OG members of the group. And let me see if I can find any more OG from the original date. Nope, those right, like these, uh, geez, those guys. What's the Japanese wrestling name? I'm trying to look. Uh, oh yeah, Carl Anderson was considered an OG original member. He did join the first day, and then also Prince Devitt, so also currently known as Finn Balor. So those were the original OG members. Now out of that group, there's only a there's only a few guys that are sort of you know left from the original group. Bad Luck Fale is still left from the quote, original OG guys at Tamatonga's. The only guy left is the original member. But there are there are other members that started early on in the run, too. But those are the ones that started on May 3rd, listed as starting May 3rd, 2013. So uh, do you get anybody, it doesn't have to be somebody I just named, but you get anybody as far as uh, is, uh, Bullet Club who does not fit in? It never should have been. Never should have been a member. It doesn't fit. In. Um. Okay. First of all, I will go with um, um, Kobe Hall, and I will go with um the original um Bone Soldier. Yeah. To me, it does seem kind of weird to put a masked guy in it. Was he wearing a mask when he was Bone Soldier, though? Yeah. The original Bone Soldier, yeah. Okay. So I know he, I know he's wrestled under a mask and not under a mask. He kind of doesn't fit in as a, as a. It, it seemed like as a lucha door guy, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to be in Bullet Club. I'm not saying lucha doors can't be in it. I'm saying as a mask guy, it doesn't like really seem like it fits in. And then- you did mention Cody Hall. So I'm 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 probably gonna have to go with Bone Soldier as the guy that fits in at least. Cody Call, if you if you know nothing about wrestling, he would be a good choice as far as guys not seeing. But knowing that he is Scott Hall's son and the Bullet Club is basically a little bit of a you know a salute and sort of evolution from the NWO, especially with the you know, connections to New Japan or whatnot. Cody Hall makes sense from that perspective. So I can't completely write off Cody Hall just mainly due to the Scott Hall factor. That's what he's sort of the 
connection of the one generation to the next generation. So I would say I kind of understand why why he's in, and it does make a little bit little sense from that perspective. Okay, uh, fine. Oh, okay, if if you if you make uh, that one, okay. Um, ex okay, please explain to me then. Why the hell you had um this, this um one um okay uh uh I'm trying to think Chase Owens. Honestly, I cannot make an argument for Chase Owens. I don't even know enough about Chase Owens to know who he is. If he walked in here with a sign that said Chase Owens on, I would not be able to verify if it was Chase Owens or not because I know that little about Chase. Although for okay. the weird thing about Chase Owens is he is he is he's been a member for like six and a half years. I yeah. legit don't know what Chase Owens looks like. <laughs> you you see my point? It, it he doesn't he doesn't make a lot of sense in the group. I I won't like I said, the the reason I can't say that he ruins the group or does not fit in with the group because I don't know enough about him to say that he does or doesn't fit in. But I would say that is the argument against him being in. Exactly. <laughs> he's, literally, he's literally made no impact <laughs> on my mental state. And I've been watching New Japan off and on for years. Uh, so he's a guy that I'd say definitely does not fit in. I wouldn't rake him nearly as high as some of these other guys from these other stables that we say don't fit in or didn't belong just because he's literally made no impact on but, you know, for him, if he's managed to work in Japan and wrestling for, like, seven years, good money if you That's not bad. <laughs> he must now, be doing something, for right? Him, right. For him, I'm not mad at it. Um, I just question the book. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, okay, um, um, I, okay, it's like, keep, okay, now, when it was uh, the Bullet Club Civil War, uh, firing squad versus um, the uh, Bullet Club, or, or, or I will say the Elite. Okay, the okay. Uh, once AEW had formed um, and everything, it okay. It was um, um, the um, some of the Bullet Club members left, and one of those members that was left was, of course, Chase Owens. So the okay, so um, after getting his butt kicked um, by the firing squad and everything, he okay, he actually begged to um, he, um, he actually um, begged to come back in, and they let him back, and now he's still part of the Bullet Club. With, with um, um, pretty, um, pretty much what happened was the Samoans wound up cleaning house. Oh yeah! By the way, with the forbid door being open. <laughs> I can't wait to. See. I hope they have a, a true, legitimate civil war that rages across multiple countries for like a year or two. That would be so cool to see if they did that. Obviously, they shouldn't do it now. They have to wait for crowds to be like full capacity again to get the full enjoyment out of it. That's the sort of thing that should happen. You know, you never know when a member of you know the new school bullet club or the elite will show up on one side or the the bullet club og will show up on the other side that would be like the thing to see because that's the that's the one thing that aw unfortunately sort of dropped the ball with when they had 
the Young Bucks against the uh, FTR. Since there was no crowds at the time, you didn't get the full reaction of what you really could see out of those guys. So that's that's kind of why they're holding off on the rematch, I think, too, for that. But I would definitely like to see, you know, the Bullet Club versus the Elite. Or, you know, or actually, it, I think it would probably be better if they sort of merge just temporarily for a while. So we truly got to see them working together and then have them split off again and then truly rage war that way. I think that would probably be the best way to go. What are your thoughts on that? It wouldn't it, it it wouldn't it wouldn't be a bad idea. I actually like how you came up with that one. And as usual, King, you do a good matchmaking um skills. I, I give you that you got great great matchmaking skills. Anyway, I think that about covers it for this week. You got any final thoughts before we go, Brian? Uh my final thoughts would be uh, um again with It, uh, support your indie wrestling on wrestling and uh, one of my um, personal favorites in yours too, King MLW. If you if you have not been um, aware of it, soon they will be on uh, the Vice Network. So support them. Don't forget the Impact. Um, and if um, anything else, um, check out many on uh, YouTube like um, Progress. Of course, uh, I got to get some more shameless self-promotion out of the way before we go. Uh, if you uh, please like King David Lane or King David Comedy, Comedy with K, King David Comedy on most major social media platforms. That's King David Lane and King David Comedy most major platforms. Also like Northwest Indiana Rugby Club on Facebook. Uh, if you live in the Midwest, particularly the Indiana area, we'll be playing this Saturday and the South Bend area, the Michigan, the Michigan Moose, and that'll be one of the weird times when comedians will be, stand-up comedians will be going head-to-head on different teams. I will be playing against Joe Tidd, who's on the Michigan Moose, and also I'll be, I end up doing a show in South Bend after the game as well, because uh, apparently it just, we just sort of lucked out. The region invades DIY with Joe Tidd, Maxwell Tidy's uh, comedy showcase. So I'll be out. I'll be out there anyway. They added me to the show, so I'll be there with Michael Banks, as well as Mr. Cody and Brandon King. So come check that out. It's only ten bucks. Get it on Eventbrite, I believe. Uh, the Facebook event is up. I will be sharing it on social media as well as Facebook. So come check that out, please do. And of course, you know, like I said, uh, I appreciate your support. Please uh, hit that like button or that. Uh, Give us a five star review and write us like give us a five star rating rather than give us uh, a review on any of your major platforms where you download your podcast. We will greatly appreciate it. And of course, like I mentioned earlier, buy your shirt on Carousel. I'm King David Lane for Brian Hunter. Thanks for watching and listening. Phil After has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, talking here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight 6'1, 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill After's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. 
Holy is my own. Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the <clears throat> World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's, uh, he's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect is? Well, I'll is? tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found a true world champion. I finally found... What's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think... Uh, I don't know what to say, but I, I want to say one thing. Bruno was an LA champion. Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. This is Bill Aptor, and once again, we're speaking here with... Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiants? Well, actually, it, it was a, a, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a did loss. Did didn't have anything to do with this? Well, yes, but the whole thing is this, that the rules, as I always understood them, was that you, the title could only be lost by pin or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history.